Welcome to Water Damage with your host, Gil Mancha. This is my chronological discussion of the King of the Seven Seas, Aquaman. Disclaimer, I will be actively getting and collecting issues as we go, and I'm trying to only cover issues that I have a physical copy of or are in a collected edition. I'm going to try to stray away from digital because I love physical media, but the DC Universe Infinite app would be a great way to keep up with the podcast. Be sure to hit the follow button on Spotify or preferred platform to get episodes as soon as they drop. If you play Injustice 2 on Xbox, you can join the official guild, Water Damage Podcast ID 0JMD4. There our community can play Games of Injustice 2, which is currently free on Game Pass. Regardless of who you play, you're welcome to come in and play, or just chat. Follow the Twitter or X account at Water Damage Pod to see when I go live. We can chat and play some games. In today's episode, we'll be covering Adventure Comics 266, Aquaman meets Aqua Girl. Links will be in the podcast notes. The issue was released in November 1959. Let's take a look back at what else was happening that day in history. Do it again! Using November 1st, 1959 as our date, because there isn't a set one that I could find, the best-selling single was Mac the Knife by Bobby Darren. The top of the box office was Pillow Talk. If you're a kid or teen, you're probably watching Looney Tunes, Heckle and Jekyll, The Rough and Ready Show, and Clutch Cargo. As for toys, children are playing with photoelectric baseball, basket miniature basketball, Play-Doh, and Metal House robots. Later this month, the steel strike of 1959 will end. Mac the Knife is a song that sounds positive or pleasant, but the lyrics reveal some darkness. It's talking about being stabbed and cement being used to weigh someone down after being drowned or discarded. Here's some segments from the song that make it clear to me. And somebody's sneaking around a corner. Could that someone be Mac the Knife? Now did you hear about Louie Miller? He disappeared, babe, after drying out his hard-earned cash. And now McKeith spends just like a sailor. Look out, old Mac is back. I haven't seen Pillow Talk, but the summary is, an interior decorator and a playboy songwriter share a telephone party line and size each other up. I don't know if it's free anywhere, but you can buy or rent it on Vudu, Hulu, Sling TV, Apple TV, YouTube, Redbox, and Prime Video. Looney Tunes is a classic show that we're seeing less and less of. Sure, it was in Space Jam. Otherwise, it's on Cartoon Network and Max, with it being available to buy on Vudu. Heckle and Jekyll are two identical anthropomorphic yellow-billed magpies. Sometimes one is smoking a cigar. I know I've seen them somewhere. The, the show itself isn't familiar. The Rough and Ready Show is a Hanna-Barbera Productions cartoon about a smart cat and a dumb dog that battle crime. There's 156 episodes, but I don't think it's available to watch officially anywhere. But if you try searching it, you might find it. Clutch Cargo is probably the most interesting in terms of popular culture significance to me personally. It's about a pilot who takes on dangerous assignments with his young ward, Spinner, and his pet dash hound, Paddlefoot. Very little is animated, and the most distinct feature is that their mouths aren't animated, but it's like a little video of a person's mouth actually moving and doing 
the voice lines. It's on Tubi, Sling TV, and Plex for free if you're interested. The show itself isn't as important as where I first heard about it. It was referenced during a TV signal hacking on the night of November 22nd, 1987. Two stations in Chicago, Illinois were hijacked, briefly sending a pirate broadcast of an unidentified person wearing a Max Headroom mask and costume to thousands of home viewers. During it, he referenced several things like New Coke, Hum the Tune of Clutch Cargo, a sportscaster Chuck Swirsky, and other random topics. The person has never been identified and no one's ever come forward about it outright even though I believe the statute of limitations have passed. I've heard a couple of theories, but no one's been named officially. My favorite theory is this random guy on Reddit who was a young teen hanging out with older teens and young adults that took part in some kind of hacking group in a, like a hacking scene in the late 80s. He met a couple brothers, one of whom seemed to fit the personality of the Max Headroom hijacker and the two had told the youngster to check out the channel later that night. They end the post saying that they don't want to reveal the names because everyone's moved on and they don't want to get anyone in trouble. Not rock solid, but there's been other accounts that seemed just as likely, so we may never know for sure. The biggest aspect working against this one is that the station has said that no commercially available method was sophisticated or strong enough to stop an official broadcast. So they wouldn't have had the equipment to do so, especially kids. If they're speaking the truth, then it would be impossible for the Reddit poster to be correct about his theory. Or maybe he's just lying. I think we've touched on most of the toys except the Metal House robots. Turns out they're battery-operated tin toy robots. They're made to look more fancy than they really are. The steel strike ended with a raise, but not as much as they wanted. However, the union won an automatic cost-of-living wage adjustment and greatly improved pension and health benefits. While not ideal, they did come out of it better than they went in. If you're familiar with the song, top movie, or other events, let me know. On the Spotify app at least, you have a Q&A section where you can reply to my question of what do you think of this issue. You can do it there, social media, or even the YouTube VOD for this episode. While you're there, I have a poll too. What other DC hero would you like to see covered like we do Aquaman? The choices are Dick Grayson's Robin and Nightwing, Sergeant Rock, Blue Beetle, all three, Booster Gold, and Shazam. You can pick as many as you want. I'd love to see what you guys think. That's a taste of what the world was like when Adventure Comics 266 was released. I'm reading this thanks to Aquaman, A Celebration of 75 Years, but it's also available via the Aquaman Archives Volume 1 and Showcase Presents Aquaman Volume 1. As of recording, the issue is not available on the DC Infinite app, so besides the three sources, I'm not sure where else it's commercially available. Just like the other issues we've covered, Adventure Comics is an anthology of stories, and this is the second of three. All behind Superboy. Per usual, it's either in the middle or last. Nothing's beating out the Golden Boy. Again, it's called Aquaman Meets Aquagirl. Aquaman's gloves are yellow like in Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane number 12. I hate the fact that they remind me of Dexter's mom in Dexter's lab. That said, the Showcase Present series being in black and white also means that it may affect your reading of this particular issue. More on that later. The story was written by Robert Bernstein, penciled and inked by Ramona Fradden, with editor Mort Weisinger. This cover of Adventure Comics focuses on the Superboy story, so we'll focus on the first panel of the Aquaman story. The Aquaman name is written in red. In the panel, we see two octopi holding up a giant clamshell. In it is a seal and a blonde woman who's dressed just like Aquaman. Her hair is flowing behind her, and she has an eel loosely wrapped around her hand. 
In the background, we also see a turtle and some sharks. She says, look at me, Aquaman. If you're the king of the sea, I am a queen. I can do everything you can do underwater. I can even command your sea creatures, which kind of sounds antagonistic, not gonna lie. In front of the shell is Aquaman looking at her in shock. He thinks, she's right. My finny friends are treating her as if they were her subjects. But who is she? How did she acquire my powers? In the text it says, if Aquaman thinks he's the only man in the world with marine superpowers, he's right. Yet there's a surprise in store for the Sea King. Another person with his powers. Who is it? What are the mysterious secrets to their powers? Learn the amazing answers as Aquaman meets Aquagirl. Since the comic isn't on the DC Universe Infinite app, I can't read you guys the About This Book section. After the break, we'll summarize the issue. Is Aquaman finished? Can you make it to the bathroom before we return with part two of the show? What it do, guys? Mondra May here, and if you like board games, especially deck building games, you should check out at team underscore thunder on YouTube. There we have unboxings and games of Legendary, a Marvel deck building game, the DC deck building game, the Transformers deck building game, and many more. That's also where you can find VODs for this and Accelerated Visions, a Spider-Man 2099 podcast where you can directly leave a comment and we can discuss the issues. The Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure, featuring Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and your favorite comic book superheroes in their own adventure stories. It's 60 minutes of thrills and fun. Next on most of these stations. We start the comic with a girl studying marine life through the glass of the floor of her yacht when <gasps> there's a man trapped on the bottom in the grip of a giant clam. Worried he'd drown if he wasn't instantly freed, she rushes to the deck. She remembers that her father once told her that the heat of an electric torch can make the muscles of a giant clam relax. So she has a worker on the boat, Eddie, give her his torch. Turns out her name is Miss Morrill. Without thinking, she instantly jumps into the water with a torch. Eddie tries calling out for her to tell her she forgot her skin-diving helmet, but she couldn't hear him. When she gets to the ocean floor, she realizes it's Aquaman. She still hasn't realized what's so odd about this, but it's not lost on Aquaman, who's amazed that she doesn't have a helmet or airline. <gasps> Yet she's breathing underwater. How bizarre. Sure enough, the torch's heat forces the clam to loosen its grip on Aquaman. He immediately grabs her by the hand to rush her back up for air, all the while wondering how this has been over five minutes and she hasn't drowned. Once back on the yacht, they have time to talk. Morrow claims that this is the first time something like this has ever happened with her, but maybe it's because she didn't have time to think. She dove instinctively. Aquaman tells her, let's experiment to see if she could stay down longer than five minutes. In Hour later, Moral realizes that it's been an hour and she feels like she could last for hours. Aquaman is shocked by how long she's been underwater and wondering who is she and where did she get those powers. Once the two resurface, she introduces herself properly. I'm Lisa Laurel. My father is Dr. Hugo Moral, the famous ichiologist. Dad's written many books on natural history of fishes. Aquaman is surprised by her sudden power and he suggests they swim back to the yacht. Feeling the urge to swim fast, Lisa tells him that they'll swim home and to keep up if he can. She quickly swims off. Aquaman's dumbfounded by her speed and notes she's exhibiting all his powers. When they reach the coast, she swims up a waterfall as a shortcut. Suffering sharks. There's no limit to her swimming prowess. When they talk to her parents, Dr. Hugo Morrill tells Aquaman what he's saying about his daughter having powers is ridiculous. 
Only you have such water powers. Miss Morrill calls out saying his Explorer's Club trophy was knocked over by the wind and pushed off towards the cliff edge. It's gone. My precious trophy is lost forever. No, Dad, I've never tried before to command sea creatures, but if I show mastery over them, perhaps you'll believe Aquaman and I have the same powers. See those seals in the water below? She calls out to them. Pong, pong, pong. The seals tap the trophy in the air like a ball. Good heavens, Lisa. The seals understand and obey you. They're bouncing the globe one to another with their noses in order to relay the globe back to us. Blop. She catches the trophy. Well, Dad, do you believe me now? Dr. Hugo finally admits that he can't understand how she got the powers. He asks Aquaman how he got his powers. Aquaman responds, and as established in Adventure Comics 260, how Aquaman got his powers, he inherited his powers from his mother, who was from Atlantis. He explained how she was anxious to explore the world and as a result was banished from Atlantis. In the flashback, we see her swimming away from her home thinking, Alas, whoever leaves Atlantis must forever remain in exile. But I must visit the world above regardless of the cost. She went on to marry a lighthouse keeper and they had a son. From infancy, he took to water like a fish. In the flashback, we see toddler Aquaman is flailing in the water, but her parents are in a boat watching several feet away. His father is concerned, but mother tells him not to worry since her son has inherited her marine powers. She told him that despite the glass dome around Atlantis, water was getting in, but by that time they'd adapted to watery life. If you recall Adventure Comics 260, his mother didn't reveal any of this until she was on her sickly deathbed. In scenes like this, she just told him don't worry about it. She didn't give any context. But actually, like the older comic, once Aquaman grew older, his dad built a huge tank and put sharks in there to train him. As he's riding a shark in a tank, his water thinks, that boy's amazing. Every sea creature accepts him as their ruler, just as they did his mother. Small nitpick, but Aquaman shouldn't know what his father is thinking. He doesn't have telepathy. Aquaman ends his story saying when his parents died, he buried them alongside Atlantis as they'd wanted. His mother left a diary about life in Atlantis that he'll read to Lisa one day. Dr. Hugo says, Okay, but that doesn't explain Lisa's powers. Her parents weren't born in Atlantis, confirming she wasn't adopted. Aquaman assures him that there must be an explanation for this, but for now, he must return to the sea since he can only exist out of the water for an hour. Compared to Lois Lane when she was a mermaid in our last episode, that's a long time. Aquaman jumps off the cliff back into the sea. When Aquaman returns the next day, Lisa explains to him a few minutes after he left, yesterday she became to gasp for air, so she slept in the pool. Looking into the pool, we see there's lawn furniture that had been pushed into it. She's now wearing an identical costume to Aquaman's. She asks him how he likes her costume. Great Scott! It's a copy of my costume. She tells him she deliberately copied it and will use the codename Aquagirl. As such, She'll join him on his sea patrols and will help with all his work. Aquaman is against it, saying that she'll be in great danger. Here's where we get our quote of the issue. What's the matter, Aquaman? I don't know. The fish are trying to tell me something. You must remain on land. Don't ask me why. Just do as I say. Telling someone to do what you say without any question or reasoning will never end well. In fact, she immediately jumps off the cliff into the water saying, I will not. You know, I can do everything you can do. Now stop being a worrywart. You'll be glad I became your partner. Come on, follow me. Aquaman relents, thinking, well, he's got to follow her. She doesn't realize what sort of perils are in store for her. Skip forward a day and they get distress signals from a small steamer. 
The owner had chartered a boat to celebrate a friend's birthday, but all the musicians got seasick. They've got instruments, but no musicians. Lisa isn't as well-versed with Aquaman's antics as we are, so she asks him where can they even find musicians out here, and suggests they should just finish their patrol. Of course, Aquaman has a solution and tells her, Not so fast, Aquagirl. I know someone who can take the band's place. Notice he said someone, not some people. Five minutes later, and you probably guessed it, we see an octopus on board playing drums, piano, xylophone, cello, and even a guitar. It plays with each instrument pretty well, and the crowd happily sing happy birthday. Aquaman tells Aquagirl, Aquaman tells Aquagirl, I had trained my pet octopus Tapo years ago how to play a few simple tunes like happy birthday on any instrument. I don't know how realistic that is to like train an animal like a bunch of different instruments like that. Also, I don't like how he calls him a pet. They should be friends, whatever. She responds, hmm, I guess you can handle any emergency. Y'all gotta learn sometime. Although we should probably remember that when she first met him, he was in trouble. <laughs> so there's that too. Now the next day, Aquaman spots an iceberg and is worried that a ship will crash into it. He asks Aquagirl what would she do if she were alone. She knows just the thing and summons several whales to tackle the iceberg. Crash! Crash! Aquagirl hasn't seen those iceberg videos on YouTube, so she thinks the problem is solved, but Aquaman points out that you forget that most of an iceberg lies beneath the waves. This one is too huge and heavy to be moved by whales, and a ship's coming. By this point, a freighter starts approaching, but it's making too much sound for Aquaman to yell a warning. Blum, blum, blum. Instead, he gets in front of the ship and summons hundreds of illuminous fish and arranges them around the iceberg to make it easier to see. From the ship, a person can be heard telling the ship to turn hard left so they can just manage to avoid a collision. The next day, as Aquagirl explores an undersea grotto to collect some rare shells for her father, she starts gasping for air and drops the shells. Good grief! <gasps> Suddenly, I, I can't breathe. I, I can't swim. I feel crushing weight on me. The pressure of tons of water. Aquaman comes to her aid, thinking, I feared this would happen. I must bring her to the surface, but fast. He's not wrong, but he didn't have to, like, think it like that. Just bring her up. When he does, she's seen there on a rock looking up at him, asking, What happened? I felt as if I would drown down there. Pulling a diary out of his shirt, Aquaman tells her, Yes, Lisa, I expected it. That's why I warned you against patrolling with me. You see, you've lost your underwater powers. He opens his diary, explaining that the first day he left her house, he read his mother's diary about life in Atlantis. According to it, because of continuous seepage through the glass dome, our people had to adapt gradually to see life. However, some children were born who were throwbacks to an earlier era. They could adapt only a brief time to underwater life and eventually would die in Atlantis's watery world. These infants were ejected in waterproof lifeboats to the surface. In the panel, we see a mini ship with a dome over it with a baby inside being shot out the dome. Roosh! He points out that they were ejected for their own sake and were only sent out when a ship was passing by. In the scene, we see a large ship in the distance and a small boat with sailors grab the baby ship. <gasps> it's a baby! But how did it get into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean? Back to present day, Lisa asks him, But these few infants were sent away from Atlantis. What does that have to do with me? Aquaman responds, Everything. Mother wrote about Atlantis's doctors were able to recognize every throwback at birth with a physical characteristic 
peculiar to them alone. Close in on Lisa's face and he says, they have purple eyes. I remembered your eyes were purple when I read mom's diary. The powers you never dreamed of using before came to you when you impulsively rescued me. But they were fated to vanish almost as suddenly. Here's where I'm going to point out that you can kind of see her eyes were purple, but you could have easily mistaken them for like blue or a weird ink job. Of course, in the black and white of the Showcase Presents series, there'd be no indication at all. No hint. Later that day at Dr. Morrill's house, he admits he lied to Aquaman 20 years ago while cruising on his yacht, he spied a tiny lifeboat floating in the water. Being childless, they raised her as their own. Lisa tells Aquaman that because of all of this, she's no longer his partner. But they'll remember forever the brief time she was Aquagirl and thanks him. That's where the story ends. After the break, we'll go over some thoughts and feelings about the issue. Wait a minute. That was no joke. Somebody tried to kill me. That or we're not paying Mr. Slippery enough. Holy Neptune's trident. This has to be the work of the Legion of Doom. Hey, there's an echo inside my head. Echo. 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 Um, you okay, Aquaman? Echo. Echo. What? Oh, no, no problem. This was an interesting story, but it is hurt by a couple of things. I don't like how early on Aquaman was against Lisa joining on the patrol, but didn't go into any detail. Not only did it not give us, the reader, any reason to be on his side, but it also made us be on her side. And turns out that later on, this decision almost drowned her. Had he mentioned something about a bad feeling, or this reminds me of something, maybe Lisa could have been reasoned with, or only have gone into deeper water while Aquaman was present. Despite what I said earlier, I don't really blame Lisa for being reckless. She got these awesome new powers all of a sudden, and there's no indication that they would just, you know, turn off. Think of Spider-Man origin stories or even Invincible. Those are the first of many stories surrounding the characters with powers. Sure, there might be a storyline or arc where they lose their powers, but that's not their main state. Maybe change the costume and I'd be happy to have Lisa as Aquagirl on a semi-permanent basis. I don't think she is, but I'd like to see her as a Titan, maybe age her down a few years to make her a teen. Maybe make her the Batgirl of the Aquaverse. I wasn't a huge fan of Lois Lane gaining the powers of Aquaman, but I'm okay with Lisa having them because, as it turns out, she's Atlantean. And a full one at that. Technically, she has more Atlantean in her than Aquaman does, but due to her having bad luck, only has powers sometimes. I don't know what her father had to gain from lying to Aquaman, implying that he and his wife birthed her when they are trying to make sense of her powers. Not revealing that fact could have killed their daughter. Super irresponsible, but I'll give him this. Maybe he didn't want her to find out that she was adopted, so obviously with such powers, drowning didn't seem like a possibility. What do you think? Did you read the comic? Did I get something wrong? If I do and you guys let me know, I'll include a correction section in the next episode and I'll credit the user. Let's continue the discussion on social media and the YouTube VOD. You can find me at Thunder on Twitter or X and at Team underscore Thunder on YouTube. If you're looking for another podcast to listen to and want to learn more about the Spider-Man of the future, check out Accelerated Visions, a Spider-Man 2099 podcast on Spotify and anywhere you can find podcasts. Be sure to follow that in this podcast to get episodes as soon as they drop. Manjume out. Whoo, man. Glad that stopped before things got worse.